people of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship at Morrisville Presbyterian Church on this third Sunday of Advent. It is a joy to welcome you, whether you are here in our pews or joining us from home, whether you are a longtime member or visiting us for the first time. We welcome you. It is a joy to be worshiping with you this day. There is a red friendship folder in your pew, and we would invite you to note your presence with us. Pass it to your neighbors so they can do the same. As I go over a few announcements today, the first being, some of you will know very quickly outside that our stable of our, our nativity scene stable has had quite the home renovation this year. And we have Emily Bauscher and her father Dan Jones to thank for that. And so please, when you take, take note outside, our, our whole crew of nativity folks received a makeover a year or two ago. And this year that stable joined them for a massive home renovation. And so please extend your gratitude to Emily and for Dan so that scene can be a staple of our, our yard for years to come. We have some wonderful opportunities for you to join us for some Christmas events, the one being our Christmas caroling taking place next Sunday, December 19th at 4.30. We will gather here at the church, I believe just in the parking lot out back. We'll gather in the parking lot. It's hosted by our youth ministry, but the past few years it has become an all-church caroling event when we will travel around the neighborhood and sing carols. It's a wonderful opportunity. And for the, unless the weather is really bad, we go rain or shine. Am I correct? Alex says yes, so we'll go with that. It's going to be an awesome opportunity to join together in caroling and sharing uh, the good news of Christ's birth with our neighborhood. So please join us again next Sunday, the 19th at 4.30 out in the parking lot. There is in your bulletin an opportunity to fill out Christmas memorials. We do this every year, a way to give thanks to, to God and also to celebrate and honor folks in the church or give uh, poinsettias or music memorials or deacon food baskets in memory of people who you love. And so I would invite you to look at that form if you have not done so already. Those are due in the office tomorrow. If you are panicking and you haven't sent it in, it won't get there by mail, call us. We'll make arrangements with you, but please call the office to take care of that tomorrow so those can be arranged and ordered and what, for what's needed in the weeks to come. And most of you likely received in your inbox this week. We uh, are, have set our Christmas Eve schedule, which is a little different than it has been in the past. We are committed to gathering in person this year, which is such a gift and a change from last year, and do so in our sanctuary. But we are also committed to do so safely. And so your staff and leadership have uh, decided to have four services this year, four o'clock, excuse me, yes, four o'clock which will be our children and family service, and then two services at 6.30 and 8, which will be sort of a lessons and carols, and then 10 o'clock is our uh, communion Christmas service that evening. We hope you will join us on Christmas Eve. We are asking that church members only attend one service, if possible, uh, or really, we would prefer it. Uh, we're, again, we're trying to make room for all and to do so safely, and so we hope you will join us as we worship Christ our Savior on Christmas Eve. Again, at 4, 6.30, 8, and 10. Friends, God is here, and as we move ever closer to Bethlehem, we also do so with great joy. And so now we move to lighting our Advent wreath today with our friends from the Ivan Center. Joy is seeing people you love after months apart. 
Joy is hearing. Come on over. It has been too long. Joy is the stretches and giggles of a newborn child. Joy is making it home when the journey is long. Joy is your dog sliding to meet you at the front door. Joy is the energy of a new season. Joy is feeling found when you thought you were lost. So today we light the candle of joy because the welcome God has for us is nothing short of joy. Rest in that good news. Let it wash over you. Family of faith, we are close to home. Amen. Please join in singing one verse of He Came Down as it is printed in your bulletin. as you are able, and join us in our responsive call to worship.
A voice calls out in the wilderness. It sings of a home for all. It speaks of justice and peace. We could choose to ignore it. We could drown out that song. We could choose not to listen. Instead, we come into this space. Let the world grow quiet. We listen. A, a voice calls out in the wilderness. Do you hear it? Hear it. In listening, we worship. Let us draw near to God. Please continue to stand and join us in singing hymn number 106, Prepare the Way, O Zion. It takes courage to tell the truth. 
John the Baptist knew it. His job as a prophet certainly could not have been easy. And our job as people of faith has never been easy. In our prayer of confession, may we channel some of John the Baptist's courage to tell the truth about ourselves and our world. And we do this not to shame ourselves or guilt ourselves for being imperfect. We speak the truth out loud because we know we cannot grow and change without first being honest. So let us be brave. Let us be bold. Let us be truth tellers as we confess together now to a God who couldn't love us more than God already does. Let us pray. Expansive God, we know that the church is your house, and your house has room for everyone. Yet too often, instead of setting the table for our neighbors, we block the door. Instead of welcoming all, we judge others by our own standards. Instead of sharing our second coat, we hide it in the attic, holding on to fear instead of letting go with love. Remind us that your home is a home for all, that truth requires hard work, that truth requires uncomfortable justice. Help us to be bold enough to see it and brave enough to live it. Holy God, hear our prayer. Family of faith, God sent prophets like John the Baptist to us because this work is not easy. Helping create a world where all might have a home and all might be loved and all might know peace is an audacious goal. Fortunately for us, when we mess up, when we lose our way or forget our call, we are met with grace. God could not love us any more or any less than God already does. So rest in this good news. We are at home with God, forgiven, claimed, and loved. The door is always open for us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Beloved church, as forgiven people, let us share the peace of Christ with one another using American Sign Language. The peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Share with one another the peace of Christ.
Let us pray. God, who speaks a good news language, we admit listening has never been our greatest gift. We are easily distracted. Our minds run a million miles a minute. We doubt your faith in us and take the easy way out when it comes to hope. So today we bow our heads and ask for help. Settle our hearts, quiet our minds, steady our breathing. Help us to rest in you. Help us to listen for your good news. Gracefully we pray, amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Together, let us listen for the word of God. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On the day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned in praise among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
kiddos. It is good to see all of you. Hi, Rory. Hello there. Come on up. I'm so glad to see you again. Will you tell our friends your name? My name is Ashlyn. This is Ashlyn. Can you all say hi to Ashlyn? We're glad you're here, Ashlyn. We're glad all of you are here. In fact, I think Rafaela was really excited to come up here earlier, and she couldn't. So we'll see if she joins us in a little bit. I want you to know, I have been to church so many times in my life. I have celebrated Christmas so many times. I've celebrated Advent, this season we are in. But you know what always stumped me when I was growing up? What do you think? What color candle did we light today? What's the one that isn't like the others? Which one did we light today? Uh, the pink one. The pink one. What we'll color are all the other? Those, leave the middle one alone. That one we'd light at Christmas for Jesus. But the other ones, what color are they? Uh, the rest are purple. The rest are purple, and there's one that's pink. And I tell you, every year, I didn't know why we did this. Even this morning, there was some confusion about it. That we, we never quite know why is that pink candle even there. And do you know what? I liked, once I finally got my wits about me and understood it, the third Sunday, when we light that pink candle, we are celebrating, remember the word today? Joy. Joy. We are celebrating joy. And I think sometimes part of this pink candle is to remind us, because all these people out here, they get really, you guys are just excited for Christmas. They are bogged down with details and all kinds of things and stress and worries. And we can go purple, 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 purple. But then we have pink. <laughs> we suddenly have pink on the third Sunday of Advent. And I think it's a wonderful way that we are reminded Amidst the hope and the peace and the love that this season calls for us, we are also called to celebrate joy. Can you say it with me, Rory? Joy. 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 We are excited to celebrate joy. And this candle, this pink candle, in the middle of our Advent journey, reminds us to be joyful. No matter what is going on, it reminds us to be joyful. And sometimes that joy surprises us. Have you ever had a bad day and then all of a sudden something just makes you laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh? Has that ever happened to you? When you've been grumpy and your parents have been angry and suddenly something silly happens and you are so excited and overwhelmed by joy, like these feet right now? You can, I, I, we're just so joyful today. That must be what it is. We're so full of joy. And sometimes we forget to celebrate that. And this candle in the middle of Advent reminds us to celebrate joy even if it surprises us even if we're having a grumpy day even if in the middle of everything going on we just need to stop 
and be surprised. Rory, can you do joyful feet with me? We just need to be surprised by joy. Sometimes even when we're grumpy, sometimes even when we're grumpy, we can be celebrated by joy. And so this week especially is the week of joy in Advent. And I am gonna challenge each of you that whenever you're feeling grumpy, or maybe you're surprised by something exciting, or maybe you're celebrating in new ways. Who knows? We're losing control today, which is why we're celebrating joy. Because you all, you have no idea the joy that you bring to me, the joy you bring to your families, the joy you bring to all of these people. They are loving this right now. This is what joy is, and I am grateful that we can have this time together. So when you experience joy this week, I want you to remember that God wants you to have all of that joy every single time it happens. And we can thank God for that. So we're going to have a prayer together all about joy. You all can repeat after me. Let's pray. Dear God, Dear God we thank you for joy. Help us to know your joy, to share your joy, and to experience your joy with everyone we meet. Amen. Thank you all. You have brought me a tremendous amount of joy today. And you can go to music with Mr. Carpenter. But please walk to get there. Thanks for coming, Ashlyn. It's good to see you. When there's a family here for their child to be baptized, I always tell them, don't worry, everyone's going to love it. If the child is perfect, they will love it. If they are screaming, they will love it even more. <laughs> and isn't that true of children's messages as well? It is truly a joy and perhaps a greater reminder than we, that we adults need more often to stop and celebrate the joy in our midst, which we truly find in these children. Please join me, friends. We are going to be reading today our gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. If you would like to follow along, it is found in the New Testament of your Bible. It should be on page 56. You'll recall we talked a little bit about John the Baptist last week with his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And today... We're running right into John. Hear now the words from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler over the region of Ithuria and Trachonitis and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. 
John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation... And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I promised you he'd make an appearance this Advent. And appear he did. Perhaps, perhaps with that song his father sang still ringing in his ears. But we're not hearing much of that today. Today we bump into our old friend John the Baptist. And no, he's not among the nativity scenes. And you'd be hard-pressed to find him on a greeting card this season unless you're sending one to folks you don't like very much. He's not in any of the traditional Christmas carols. And you likely won't find him among the Christmas decorations in your home unless you're like one family I know that went out and specifically bought a John the Baptist ornament a few years ago after I mentioned, I found one that said, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. John isn't interested. He finds no pleasure in sitting by the fire, listening to Mannheim's steamroller or the latest pop star's rendition of Silent Night. John is out in the wilderness proclaiming the joyful good news, beware of the wrath to come. He's hairy and unkempt, a wild-looking guy wearing camel's hair. He has locusts stuck in his teeth, honey dried in his matted beard. And every advent, we run into John, 
not because he is the Messiah, but because, as we learned from his father last week, he is the prophet of the Most High, the one preparing the way for the Lord, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And despite his wild and gruff exterior and words like, beware of the wrath to come, in our text this morning, it actually seems people have sought him out. They've heard his story. They've tracked him down in the wilderness, ready to respond to this call to repentance. They've come ready to be baptized. I mean, John has other pastors drooling over this kind of response. And yet, rather than leading them out to the Jordan to be baptized, Rather than encouraging them, gosh, this is wonderful, encouraging them for responding to God's call, John begins preaching by insulting all of them. You brood of vipers. Who told you to do this? You're not even worthy of the forgiveness offered in these waters. And don't tell me that you are the sons and daughters of Abraham, because if you are, that doesn't even matter here. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from or what family name you carry. It doesn't matter, you brood of vipers. I'm pretty confident John slept through all the pastoral care classes in seminary. This is not the way one earns the trust and love of one's congregation. And so perhaps one of the most remarkable parts of the story is the fact that these people who came out to find John who were then insulted by John and told how unworthy they are, well, they stay out there. They don't leave. And in fact, they turn to him after being insulted and ask, well, what then should we do? And John responds, whoever has two coats, share one with someone who doesn't have any. Whoever has food, you do that too. The text says even tax collectors, tax collectors came to be baptized. And they said, teacher, what should we do? And John said, collect no more than the amount prescribed. Soldiers ask, what can we do? How about you don't extort money from people? Or go intimidate them with false threats or false accusations. Be satisfied with your wages. John's advice to all of these people is very practical. It's very pointed, touching each of them perhaps in the place of their heart where they needed that most. His answers reflect his knowledge of the vocations, of the values of those who ask the questions, and his answers all involve acts of mercy and justice. In response to the question, what then should we do, John is clearly saying, share Keep no more than you need. Be fair. Treat others with love. Be honest, because the valleys need to be raised and the mountains need to be made low. These people had all come to be baptized. But rather than moving straight to the water's edge, John first turned to the actions of their lives with great pointed attention. 
Because you see, John wanted to make very sure that the people knew what they were getting themselves into. He wanted to make sure they understood the serious, life-altering consequences of being baptized and how their words and actions and hearts would be changed, should be changed as a result. You will be marked as God's own forever. But after the water has dried, after the water has dried, John begs the question, will anyone be able to tell? Will your life, your entire life, will it reflect the gospel truth that you belong to God? Will your actions in this life demonstrate your commitment to forgiveness and justice for all of God's people so that every valley is lifted up and every mountain made low and every injustice and inequity in this life is blown away by God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace? When the water has dried, will anyone be able to tell that you belong to God. Bishop Will Williman tells a story from a time, his time as the chaplain at Duke University. And there was a young woman who'd been involved in the campus ministry there at the school, and in her senior year, she elected to forego the full ride that she'd received to one of the most prestigious law schools in the country because instead she was going to join the Peace Corps. And she had spoken with Williman about this on multiple occasions. Multiple times he'd heard about her decision and heard her wrestling with it. And one day Williman received a call from this young woman's father. And he was very angry. How dare you fill my daughter's head with this religious nonsense and ideals? She's throwing her away her future, you know. She's throwing away every chance she has to have a stable future. How dare you insert yourself in her life in this way? I mean, truly, I don't know how you can sleep at night knowing that you have ruined her life. Not quite knowing what had hit him, Willeman took a breath and responded, Well, sir, I, I can certainly appreciate this feels, this feels like a pretty substantial shift for your daughter. It's not what you had planned and not what she had planned for a while. But with all due respect, sir, I'm not the one who had her baptized. I'm not the one who took her to church on Sundays when she was growing up. I'm not the one who encouraged her toward church choir and confirmation. Well, we were just trying to make her a good Presbyterian. We didn't intend for this to change her whole life. The people had come to be baptized. And John wanted to make very sure that they knew what they were getting themselves into. 
multiple times in recent weeks, I've overheard conversations about how generous people are during December. How encouraging it is to know that even when the shopping malls and parking lots are crazy, even when there's stress of parties or gifts or decorations or Christmas cards, all of that is felt by many, but people are also incredibly kind at Christmas. There's a desire to give more, to offer more, to care more. The Reverend Kathy Beach reminded me that churches and charities receive more donations in December than any other month. And yes, part of that is the tax benefit, but also, also because of Christmas season generosity. Sitting in the pews during Advent, we are a people eager to bear fruit. And so perhaps part of the reason we bump up against John the Baptist every Advent is because during Advent we're a lot like those who show up in the wilderness to be baptized. Eager, willing, ready to jump on board and bear fruit. But perhaps not fully aware of what this baptismal water will mean for our lives. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, John is waiting. And John wants to make very sure you know what you're getting yourself into. You brood of vipers. Don't you know this baptism and this faith and this call upon your life is about so much more than how generous you can be at Christmas? Don't you know this will change your entire life, that this should change your entire life? And not just for a couple of weeks each year, but for the rest of your days on this earth, you have been marked as Christ's own forever. But can anyone tell by observing your life? Because that's where it really matters, can anyone tell? If so, who? Can your spouse tell? Or your friends? What about your children? Or, or your neighbors? Or your accountant? Or your co-workers? Can, can they tell? Strangers you encounter? The homeless man you see every time on the exit ramp as you go to work? What about the ones who cut you off in traffic? Or the ones who just are accidentally in your way when you're in a foul mood? Can they tell? What about people who observe your words and your actions online? The vitriol you spew, can they tell? Can they tell that you have been marked as Christ's own forever? On the banks of the Jordan, John reminds us that God's claim upon our lives is not something we can shake or escape. It's not something we can turn on or off. God has claimed us as God's own forever. But beloved church, John cries out in the wilderness, Beloved church, do you know what you've gotten yourself into? Are you prepared to allow these waters to envelop your entire life and not just be a check mark on the way to becoming a decent Presbyterian? 
Are you willing to move past tiptoeing into these waters and instead allow yourself and your life to be fully immersed in the wideness of God's love? John's Advent greeting is without question a little rough around the edges. And you'll be hard-pressed to find Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers, on anyone's card or tree as anything more than a joke. But for John, this is no joking matter. Your entire life has been claimed by God in these waters of baptism, and John wants to make certain certain that the good and kind and well-meaning church folks who show up on the banks of the Jordan know what they're getting themselves into. Because in baptism, yes, we proclaim God has loved you from the beginning and God loves you as you are. There is no way God could love you more or less, but we also proclaim that God loves you too much to leave you as you are. So when the water dries, when the ornaments have been put away and the Christmas spirit feels like it's miles behind us, will anyone be able to tell? Will anyone be able to tell that your life has been transformed by the justice and mercy and hope and peace and joy and love of the living Christ. Will anyone be able to tell? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we seek to respond to God's call in the wilderness, a call of baptism and transformation, let us stand and join together in singing hymn number 87, Comfort, Comfort, Now My People. Let us join together, stand and sing this hymn.
please join me as we affirm our faith through the words in your bulletin from a brief statement of faith. As we seek to follow Christ in this world, let us state what we believe. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating without casts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As we walk this journey towards transformation, towards change, the one that started in our baptism. We walk alongside with our God. And now we offer a time to give our prayers before God, all that we are and all that we have. So let us pray. God of open doors and porch lights, welcome mats and candles in the window. We cannot thank you enough for your open-door policy. You are forever welcoming us home. In a world that puts handrails on park benches so that those without a roof over their heads cannot lie down, you offer something radically different. You welcome all of us just as we are. You paint a picture of a world that could be. You remind us that there is enough love to go around, and that neighbor helping neighbor is who we are called to be. Thank you for the voice in the wilderness that calls to us. Thank you for the radical welcome and the unchanging love. Today, God, we give extra gratitude for the people and places that are home to us. But we also pray for all those without a home. We pray for those whose homes have been destroyed by recent tornadoes in Kentucky and surrounding areas. May they know your restoration and healing. We pray for immigrants and refugees navigating the waters of trauma, change, and loss. We pray for those who experience homelessness and for those scrapping together every coin to pay last month's rent. We pray for those who do not feel at home in their body 
assigned a gender or an identity that does not fit their spirit. We pray for those who do not feel at home in your church, wounded by strict rules or judgmental accusations. We pray for all of those who long to build a home with one another, but instead find themselves eating another meal alone. God, there are so many who need a home, so help us to be builders of that new day. Give us the courage of John, who saw a way forward so clearly. Turn our words into action and our conviction into change. And gracious God, you are a God of open doors and welcome home celebrations. Teach us to be the same. And as we learn, as we grow, we continue to pray the words your Son taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The people asked John, what should we do? And we all resonate with that question. John responds by saying, if you have two coats, give one away. It's all that easy. And it's all that hard. So let us give our tithes and offerings now, knowing that these gifts help build a world where all might know a home, where all are welcome, fed, loved, and known. Let us give our morning tithes and offerings.
God who welcomes us home, who creates space, who leaves a chair with our name on it. We have two coats and we are giving one away. That's what this offering is. It's our hearts on our sleeve. It's our audacious hope that there can indeed be a better world than this one. So take these gifts and use them to move us closer to that promised day. Gratefully we pray. Amen. As you are able, I'm going to invite you to remain standing and join together in singing hymn number 360, Christ is Coming. My friends, as we go out into this world reminded of God's joy, the joy we know in our baptism, may we also take that baptism out into the world and be reminded that in the call, in the reminder that God loves us, God also loves us too much to leave us as we are. And so the question remains as you go out into this world, can anyone tell? Can anyone tell that you are beloved of God, that you have been claimed as God's own forever? May that be a question on our hearts as we seek to fulfill and to name Christ's joy and peace and mercy and justice and compassion out in this world. And as we go, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.